Jesus gave us this promise today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be afraid. Amen. My dear Christian friends, in honor of last Monday being Memorial Day and tomorrow, June 6th, being D-Day, I want to start with a military story, maybe one you haven't heard before, and then also connect it to the events of the Tower of Babel. Several years ago, when Jon Stewart was the host of The Daily Show, he insisted that President Harry Truman was a war criminal for dropping the atomic bombs onto the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He claimed that the Japanese people did not know that these bombings were coming. And he also claimed that the Japanese people, they were tired of the war and they were ready to surrender. But in an, a brilliant afterburner video, Writer and filmmaker Bill Whittle refuted Stewart's claims with historical facts. In his refutation of Stewart's claims in the video, Whittle produced a photograph, and it was a photograph of the Office of War Information leaflet. Over one million of these leaflets were dropped onto Japanese cities like Hiroshima and Nagasaki and 35 other cities on August 1st, 1945, five days before the bombing of Hiroshima. You see, what was happening is the Japanese had built their military institutions and their war factories in the cities among their civilian population. And the American military didn't want uh, innocent civilians being harmed, and yet they also knew they had to destroy those military installations and those war factories in order to end the war. The leaflet warned, and I'll only read a portion of it, read this carefully as it may save your life or the life of a relative or friend. In the next few days, some or all of the cities named on the reverse side will be destroyed by American bombs. These cities contain military installations and workshops or factories which produce military goods. We are determined to destroy all of the tools of the military clique which they are using to prolong this useless war. But unfortunately, bombs have no eyes. So in accordance with Americans' humanitarian policies, the American Air Force, which does not wish to injure innocent people, now gives you warning to evacuate the cities named and save your lives. America is not fighting the Japanese people, but is fighting the military clique which has enslaved the Japanese people. The Japanese people were not ready to surrender. It was not in their culture to surrender. It was part of their culture to believe that their emperor was a god. And so the Japanese people would defend to their dying breath their emperor, their god. In fact, in the video, uh, Whittle explained, Japanese pilot Mitsuo Fuchida led the air attack against Pearl Harbor. After the war, he told Paul Tibbetts, who was the pilot of the Angola Gay, which is the B-29 bomber that dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, he said, you did the right thing. You know the Japanese attitude of that time, how fanatic they were. They would die for the emperor. Every man, woman, and child would have resisted the invasion with sticks and stones if necessary. 
Though several hundred thousand Japanese people died in the bombing and in the fallout from the atom bombs, history proves that the atom bombs saved hundreds of thousands of Japanese lives from conventional American bombing. And if the U.S. had invaded the island of Japan, then children all the way up to grandmothers, would have sharpened bamboo sticks to fight off the American soldiers, and they would have died. And they would have also put on explosive backpacks to defend themselves. And then countless American soldiers would have died needlessly as well. Judgment was brought down upon the nation of Japan. Devastation and destruction and the loss of lives were the result of these two atomic bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And yet, countless American lives were spared, Japanese lives too, were spared from this difficult decision that President Truman made. And now, generations later, look at how Japan has flourished since World War II and how Japan and U.S. are great allies in a Amer- in number of worldly endeavors. Now let's look at the historical facts about the judgment that was brought on the Tower of Babel. After Noah and his family left the ark after the flood, the Lord said to them, fill the earth. It was God's goodwill that Humanity fill up the whole earth from east to the west so that all of these people could together join in praising their triune God, magnifying the Lord, the God of the covenant promise, the Savior God. Moses, who writes Genesis, writes that as the people moved east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. Well, a well-watered plain would naturally look good to a bunch of farmers. In disobedience to God, they settled in that well-watered plain. They stopped their migration. And it wasn't that they just settled down for a little bit because this was not a, a temporary dwelling. They used permanent materials. They didn't just use sun-baked clay, but they used they used oven-hardened bricks to make their building project permanent. God had commanded Noah and his sons, but you be fruitful and multiply, increase abundantly on the earth and multiply on it. But now 100 years later, these descendants of Noah answered, why should we? It doesn't get any better than this. These were white-collar architects and blue-collar masons that they were working together to make something monumental and magnificent in this tower. So what's wrong with that? The Holy Spirit allowed Moses to be able to record what the people's motivation was for their building. They said, come, let's build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top reaches to the sky and let's make a name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a monument, not a monument to God's glory, but a monument to their own egos. They wanted to build this tower to magnify 
not magnify the Lord and his greatness, but to magnify their own ingenuity and greatness. They were rejecting God's goal of spreading out and praising God, singing glory to God in the highest. Instead, they wanted to stay in one place and sing glory to mankind in the highest. You see, Satan doesn't need to persuade humanity to kneel in front of an idol when all he has to do is persuade humanity to consider themselves idols to adore. And so it should not surprise us that the Lord intervened in judgment to stop this building project. He told us, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. And so Moses tells us that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. Now, the Lord wasn't a building inspector that he needed to be right there on site. But the Holy Spirit is using these words to emphasize that the Lord's judgment is never impulsive or arbitrary. If mankind did not want to carry out God's command to spread out and fill the earth, then God was going to force them to spread out and fill the earth. The Lord said, If this is the first thing they are doing as one people who all have one language, then nothing that they intend to do will be too difficult for them. And then the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, Come, let us, plural, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they cannot understand one another's speech. So the Lord confused their languages. Before this time, they spoke one common language, but now God caused Babel, the Hebrew word for confusion, very similar to our English word of confusion, of babbling, so that they could no longer understand each other. They could no longer trust one another. They were suspicious of one another, and so they stopped their building project. God's judgment a century earlier with the flood was visible and universal. God's judgment with the Tower of Babel was invisible, but also universal. The Lord's judgment at the flood wiped out a single generation of humanity. And yet the Lord's judgment at confusing the languages at Bethel at Babel has bred confusion and suspicion and hatred for countless generations since. Judgment has been brought down on humanity with the events of Babel, devastation and destruction and the loss of human lives as the result of all of the mistrust and discrimination and prejudice and bigotry and intolerance that comes from the bad fruit of Babel. Yet... Yet think about how the Lord used the devastating effects of the atomic bombs on Japan. And now look at where America and Japan are generations later. And the Lord also used the judgment at Babel for his good. It was for the creation of and the communication to many nations. Because think about it. If the Lord had allowed those people to remain in one place, then all of humanity would pretty much look the same. But because God caused people to move out and spread out over the whole earth, now the gene pool is much more diverse. Now there is beauty in the different 
sizes of people's eyes and the shapes of their noses and the colors of their skin and the beauty of all of the different kinds of languages. The Lord used these events for the creation of nations, tribes, peoples, and languages. Moses, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that it was that this judgment was brought upon Babel by the Lord. And in our English Bibles, that Lord, all capital letters, means this is the, the name of Jehovah, the God of compassion and grace, who is slow to anger and abounding in love. The Lord is the God of the covenant promise of the Savior. He is the Savior God. And so the Lord, all capital letters, uses this judgment to keep his covenant promise of the Savior alive so that it could be communicated to nations, tribes, peoples, and languages. And what we're celebrating in worship today is the festival of Pentecost. That festival of Pentecost is the reversal of the events of Babel. At Babel, the Lord confused the languages of people for the creation of all nations. At Pentecost, the Lord communicated his gospel message to, into the languages of people from all nations. That Jews and proselytes to Judaism had gathered from all over the known world into Jerusalem on that festival day. That they heard the apostles speaking the wonders of God in their own native languages. Think about today. Today we still feel strife and suspicion because of God's judgment brought on the Tower of Babel several millennia ago. We still live in a time of confusion and suspicion and anger. We see this in the way people treat one another of different languages and skin colors and ethnicities. We see this in the violence in our own streets here in Racine. We see this in how our culture, even though in America we can mostly speak the same language, we're not speaking the same language. When there are so many people who can't even define what a woman is or be able to know what to do with an unborn infant in the womb of a mother. But we Christians, we Christians are the only ones who have a message that can unite all of these warring factions it is the message that Peter gave on Pentecost that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we continue to do mission work. Mission work today is no harder and no easier than at the times of Babel or Pentecost. And though there are plenty of people who do not want to listen to you talking to them about Jesus, all of those people need to hear you talking to them about Jesus. The little African-American girl who is growing up without a father in her house. She needs to hear you tell her that of the father's great love in giving his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Latino grandmother who's just trying to hold her family together during these difficult economic times. She needs to hear you tell her do not fear, for the Lord promises, I am with you. Do not be overwhelmed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. 
the Anglo father who is distraught after the tragic loss of a child. He needs you to be able to give him the comfort of Jesus. Peace I live with my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be afraid. The aging grandfather on his deathbed. He needs you to be praying with him to the good shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So fellow Pentecost Christians, as you look out into our world, our nation, our city, our neighborhoods, you can see that we might be ripe for judgment too. We, like everyone around us, we like to build monuments to our own glory. We like to make name for ourselves. And our Lord, all capital letters, he reminds us, do not be deceived. I will not be mocked. The Lord is unwilling to let people wipe their feet on his plan of salvation for this world. But the Lord, all capital letters, is also unwilling to let souls perish in hell. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The Lord uses his judgment at Babel for the creation of all nations and then the Lord used the fulfillment of his covenant promise at Pentecost for the communication to all nations. And now it's on us. Continue to communicate the Lord's message to your family, your church family, your WS family, your Shoreland family, the families in our community, the families at your workplace. You do this with your mouth and your hands and your offerings, share this message of Jesus with all nations, peoples, languages, and tribes. Amen.